Welcome to this episode of the UK Sports Chat Podcast. I'm Joe Williams and in today's episode I am chatting with Scott Hill. Scott is a triathlete. He currently serves in the RAF and he has competed at world level in half and full Ironman distances. Scott's also a triathlon coach. Uh, he competed at Kona twice in 2015 and 2018. Evening, Scott. How are you? Hi, good evening, Joe. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming on. No, it's a pleasure. Um, something I've been quite interested in what to do for a while, so yeah, glad to finally be here for you. Yeah, brilliant. We've we've chatted about this before, haven't we? So so for everyone, for everyone who's listening, Scott and I, we met last year. Scott was, you were the 90-minute pacer at the Shrewsbury Half Marathon, weren't you? That's correct, yeah. Yes, we we were introduced by Jenny, so one of our partners on the Shrewsbury Half Marathon is the local Poppy Appeal uh, for the West Midlands, and you know Jenny, don't you? And um, yes, I met Jenny um, purely because I'm an ambassador for the Royal British Legion, uh, the first military serving ambassador in their 98 year history at the time, and next year will be their hundredth year anniversary. So yeah, it's quite a quite an honour to be part of the RBL and and sort of celebrate and promote what they do and be involved as much as I can. Yeah, brilliant. And um, yeah, and Jenny put you forward and you, you were our pacer and we've, we've chatted since, haven't we? And you came on an hour, I think it was about a month ago now. Yeah, um, so the half marathon was the first time I'd done the Shrewsbury half marathon, paced for, you know, the 130 um, yeah. and paced quite a few people to PBs on that. And we came in just under, so it was it was perfect. Yeah. Um, it obviously, took quite a bit of a training myself just to balance out that and make sure that I was running the pace to suit others. I get a bit comfortable sometimes and maybe go a little bit quicker. Um, yeah. but no, it was a good day. Yeah, it's a tricky one as well, Shrewsbury, because of the, the, it's not hilly, but it's, you know, it's, it's not extremely hilly, but there are some hills that kind of throw you sometimes as well, can't it? Yeah, so I was quite, the athletes that were with me on the day, I was um, giving them a few coaching points and stuff like that as well on how to tackle hills and stuff. So it worked quite well for them. Um, yeah. And they were quite grateful afterwards, to be honest, after they spoke and speaking to them once they obviously came in um, with their predicted time. Yeah, cool. So, so tell us, tell us, give us a bit of an introduction about yourself, Scott. Tell us what you do and, and about your background. And yeah, your certainly. Um, so, I'm serving Royal Air Force. Have been for eighteen years now. Um, yeah. I predominantly work in a, in a ground trade and currently work in Shropshire. Yep. Um, Sporting wise, very early on in my teenage years and, and sort of before that as well, I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland and sort of the only sport I ever really played was shinty. Um, not many people really know what it is. Obviously, unless what is that? Yeah, what is it? So you would have seen some Guinness adverts which uh, historically advertised their version, which is called hurling. And it's almost um, uh, a leather ball and a, a big wooden stick. Um, easy way to describe it. It's like a hockey stick. However, the rules are slightly different, uh, full swing. Um, it can be pretty dangerous. And at the age of, I think I was eight or nine, I got hit across the head. Helmet's optional and that burst a blood vessel because uh, it hit me around the temple. Wow. So it's, it's a full-on contact sport and, you know, some things are optional, but it's, uh, it, was, it was a good sport as a kid. I loved it. And that was pretty much my sport in an early age. It sounds quite brutal. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's worth looking up and just having a, have a look and what it is. But it can be brutal. But it's it's good fun and it's obviously a team sport and um, yeah. it's really good in Ireland, Scotland to do it. And it's it's been going on for years. 
Okay, and, and so that was when you were eight or nine. Did you get into any other sports at school then? And um, probably a little bit of cross country. Uh, that was mainly it, really. I didn't really didn't really delve into much else. I kind of growing up at an early age in the middle of nowhere. I was kind of fended for myself. We were always out and about, and um, yeah. and little push bike, and that was how I got about to the local little villages and seeing my friends and stuff. So nowadays, my strength in triathlon is is the bike strength, and I'm under no illusion that it comes from them early years of just having that little mountain bike and that was my method of transport back then yeah so just just so every to give everyone a bit of an overview so you, you've competed at world level in triathlon haven't you yeah so um i'm an age group um level uh in half distance and the full distance so 70.3 and 140.6 i was quite fortunate to to go to to kona hawaii and the world champs after my second ever um, triathlon, and Ironman, uh, delved straight in at the deep end. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. We'll, we'll come on to that. So, so let so so let's go back then. So, you, so you, you, do you finish school? Did you go straight in the RAF? Did you after school or no? I finished school living in Stafford, uh, Western Road High School, and yeah. I grew up with a military sort of background. So I'm fifth generation. Um, and I ended up in Stafford uh, having my, my stepfather at the time was working there. Um, and I started off working in a car body shop, repairing and painting cars until the age of 18 when I joined the RAF. Okay, cool. And, and, and so going in the military, you, you, I mean, you've got to have a good level of physical fitness anyway. So, so is that where your interest for triathlon came in or was it much later? When, when did that happen? Much later. Initially, um, uh, joined the service. I was fortunate through my basic training to be awarded a fitness trophy, uh, for most improved fitness through that period. And that was a six month period. Um, then sport wise was pretty much running for fitness. I qualified early on. I'd went and did, um, pre-parachute selection, which is a three weeks arduous course. Um, yeah. So I trained a lot for that. So that was strength work, swimming pool, um, stuff in the gym, running and running my weight. Um, at the time I lived, or the accommodation I was in was about six miles away from the station we were actually working on. So occasionally I was cycling to and from work. I never actually put them all together. I just did them out of trying to stay fit and active and, and get as fit and prepared as I could do for, for the pre-parachute selection course, obviously, which I yeah. le- later went on to as well. Yeah. Okay. So you've, so you've, not, there wasn't anything really sport specific other than your, your games when, when you were when you were young, prior to going in the RAF. But growing up in the Highlands then, and and doing like you say journeys on bike and that kind of stuff, you you, you naturally had this probably inbuilt strength, especially in your legs, and you call it that if you were in the Highlands playing where you grew yeah, up. I think so. I mean, it was that sport was an early age. You know, the, the shinty there and the travelling to and from friends on a bike. I mean, we were living. The little villages, some of them were five miles apart, you know, yeah. for cycling that from from an early age. And, and back then, we never really had, it was kind of house doors were open and people used to come and go and everyone knew everyone. So it was it was very safe for children to sort of be out and about up there. Um, yeah. and, and again, walking up into the hills and, you know, we all had fishing rods. So we'd climb the hills to the little locks and, you know, the lakes and things and, and go fishing and stuff. So I guess... The hill strength and stuff just came from just little things like that at such an early age. Yeah, sounds sounds fantastic. That does <laughs> way to grow yeah. up. I love that. It was, it was a good way to grow up, and I did enjoy it. And it's something that not many people get these days. It's not the same world, is it? No. So, so 
How did you get into triathlon then? Again, this was an accident. Um, 2012, there was a team of us from a camp, that uh, an RAF station I was working at in Suffolk. Yeah. Who we decided to put a team together and we thought we would do a challenge called the Rock Hard Challenge. Never been done before. We would cycle from Land's End to John Groats. On the way, we would climb the three peaks and swim across the three lakes, being Lake Bala, Lake Windermere, Loch Ness, um, over a period of, we did it over two weeks. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, we obviously raised money for charity doing it. But over that period, a couple of the other guys that were doing it with us um, had done triathlons. They had done Ironmans. And the general military banter at the time, I got quite a lot of it, having you know not done one, and and that was kind of their little thing. And and, yeah. I, and 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 during that period, I thought, okay, I'm going to give one of these a go afterwards. So I uh, so I entered yeah. 2014 Ironman UK, so in Bolton, and seven weeks later, Ironman Wales. Having never done a triathlon before, um, which is something that everyone goes against, you know, jumping yeah. in Ironman, but I did. Um, and I did reasonably be okay, to be honest. Learned a lot, and I still do, but it, yeah. it was good fun, yeah. Okay, so you didn't mess about then. Obviously, you were, you were nice and fit for going for them two straight away, and I know that Wales isn't an easy one. Um, but just to go back to so you swam Lake Bala, which I absolutely love Lake Bala. It's about an hour away from our home, and I love going there and having a walk around. It's beautiful. Lake Ness and Windermere. That's correct, yeah, but it was the width of them, not the length um, the width would have been a bit more challenging. Uh, sorry, the length would have been a bit more challenging. But the yeah, the, we did the widths of them all. Yeah, the widths yeah. of all them. Um, and you climbed. Uh, Snowden, Scarfell Pike, and Ben Nevin. So Ben Nevin, yeah. so the three peaks there. Yeah, and obviously we cycled from Land's End to Johnny Groats between each point as well. Yeah, and how many of you did that? Uh, I think it was. I think twelve started. We did have a couple yeah. of injuries along the way, so they so they obviously didn't complete. But yeah, I think it was twelve that that started. Yeah, brilliant. That's a new spin on the three peaks, isn't it? Yeah. It was good, you know, and it's something that we still talk about today. You know, look you look over pictures and you see all these memories pop pop up in your social media and stuff. Um yeah, it was somewhat quite special and, you know, memories that will stay there forever. Um, even the bad ones. Yeah. So I, I, how did you prepare for that one then in terms of your fitness? and, and For that itself, um, to start a general open water swimming, um, I was reasonably be fit anyway. I was a lot heavier than what I am now because uh, I spent a lot of time in the gym, um, yeah. you know, lifting lifting metal and stuff. Yeah. Um, just general running and cycling, but try to do it more socially in training than, you know, being specific. Um, yeah, and just just building up the endurance really, and we and, you know, we'd set a target of cycling around about a hundred miles a day anyway. So you know that was perfectly doable. We had all pretty much all day to do that during that event itself. Um, and then the three peaks was we just all stayed together, and the same with the swimming uh, until we got to Loch Ness. That was a bit more challenging because it was pretty cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you. So you, I'm just trying to build up a picture here. So you're in the RAF and you 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 used to lift a lot of metal then compared to doing the the, the more um, long distance CV stuff. Yeah, very so, early on. Yeah. So how? So you were naturally. I mean, obviously you're in the military, so you've got this natural fitness level. So when when you you had a go at 2012, you did that brilliant challenge. You thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually have a go at at a prop at an Ironman, you know, the UK in Bolton and in Tenby. How did you then? How did you get sports specific with your training and 
you know, I, I did I did that evolve, like you say, you just you lost a lot of weight. You lost weight. Um Yeah, so ten to curious to do that kind of um, distance, didn't you? Yeah, so I think I think being military and doing what I had done previously with arduous courses and stuff, I found mental strength the biggest one. Yeah, uh, and I, I found this ever since in certain events as well. You know, the mental strength was there, and it was always a case of whenever I knew something hurt or it, you know it was painful, um, you kind of just had to laugh your way through it, yeah. um, rather than rather than let it win uh you know that old mental strength inside and just think you know this is this is ridiculous you know you're out cycling or running or whatever it may be in the pouring rain it's cold um it's hurting you've just got to laugh about it and you just kind of just get the job done um fortunately with the military and especially my sort of job role is that's the kind of attitude that's that's put into people at a very early stage of their career yeah jobs still need to be done um whether you like it or not and the sooner we get it done the sooner it is done and the sooner you can move on to something else. Yeah. Um, and that's something that has stuck, uh, I'd probably say, since since day one of my military career. And it's something that, you know, I still abide by now. You know, mm-hmm. we, let's just get it done. It's going to hurt sometimes. Uh, and you've just got to laugh it off and think. And afterwards, you just think, you know what, that was ridiculous. Um, and I remember when we did the Rock Hard Challenge, Landen, John O'Groats, Three Peaks and the Three Lakes, it was the same time that the Olympic torch was actually travelling the country. And I'm okay. pretty sure it was around about Lancaster, um, we got yeah. up that way and it just I think we had like two months worth of rain in a 48 hour period it was ridiculous and it was it was one of them you know we just kept going for the day and you got wet but it was you know this is going to end um, and just, just yeah. persevered yeah it's interesting to hear how you, how you deal with um, the, the mental game um, compared to you know I do my times tables when I'm on a long run, if it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so how, do, how much additional training? And I'd like, I'd like to talk about, you know, Bolton and Tenby and how that was for you when you first, when you first entered them. But how, how much of you, – you've got your standard amount of fitness, I, I presume, that you do being in the military. So how much on, on top of that were you doing – that was specific for, for triathlon pretty a lot more um military fitness i don't think is is um as tough in some cases as it should be uh, it, it's 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 changed over the last 18 years of my service and i'm sure those before me would say how much it changed over their period as well yeah um, the standard is it's there. Uh, it's a line. It changes with age. You know, the older people get, the less sort of you know bleep test is a common st- um, fitness test we have to do. You know, they don't have to get to a higher standard. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I personally don't think it's that challenging. I don't know if that's just because of I do a lot of exercise anyway. It, obviously, it will help. Yeah, but I never really have found it that difficult stepping into the triathlon world. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, I've learned more over the years, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm more inclined to train in certain ways to what I did initially. But initially, I it was a case of building endurance, and that was my thought process at the time. Yeah, um, I'm not a natural swimmer. Swimming is something that I've always found difficult. What I have found with that is, although I've increased endurance, I you know I've now just swim at a set speed over a longer period of time. My overall speed hasn't really increased. But I've I've come out of the swimming discipline less fatigued and able to perform better in the other elements, mm-hmm. which is a good thing about triathlon. It's it's three three elements. So where your weakness yeah. lies, someone else's weakness may lie in another discipline where your strength could 
working from here or so. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I've found is just increased endurance to start with, and especially going towards Ironman Bolton, my first triathlon in 2014. Yeah. Um, that was pretty much what I, I worked a lot on, especially the bike side of it. I mean, I, I love cycling. I love getting out and, you know, I can spend all day out there doing that. And, and I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, at that period, I was living in um, Salisbury, uh, Wiltshire. Yeah. So the train was pretty undulating and rolling down there. And we had some good uh, little valleys that we could go running in and, and you know, be pretty much traffic free and stuff like that. So I could really get some good endurance in down there. It was, it was good fun and, and you know, it paid dividends in the end. Yeah. Okay. So, so who um, who, did you enter Bolton and 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 uh, Wales on on your own, or was that with again with military friends, or who who took part in that? Yeah, I just entered them on my own, and, and off I went. Um, yeah, pretty much. And is that is that representing the RAF? Or yes. Was, yeah. So I've yeah. always represented the RAF. Um, I have a friend of mine who who I used to travel with quite a lot of events. He is um, ex army. He's a doctor. Um, currently, where he lives in Norwich. Yep. Uh, and I tend to travel around with him quite a lot in the in the early stages. And we did, you know, we you know would share accommodation or whatever it may be, and and did events and stuff like that. So, so yeah. But always since day one, represented the Royal Air Force, um, and I wear triathlon suits with all Royal Air Force all over them. So it's pretty yeah. good, and it's great to be part of um, the actual Royal Air Force Triathlon Club as well, which I'm quite heavily involved in. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, so, so do you did you have a coach then as you were going into this, or, or did you just do everything not, yourself? Not at that point, I didn't. Um, that no. Pretty much went into that blind. Um, okay, things have changed though. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, so you did, you did your 2012 challenge, but you, you thought, right, I fancy this. I'm going to have a go at, a, I'm going to have a go at the Ironman stuff. So, you, 2014. Did did you book them both, knowing you were going to do Wales six weeks six weeks later, or did you do yes. Bolton yeah. and then you booked them both? You yeah. knew you were going to do both. Okay. So, how did you get on in them then? Uh, so, Bolton um, was the swim. Felt like it went on for absolutely ages, um, even longer than than it actually is. Uh, however I, I finished that and I got on the bike and I remember now um, those that have done the event you know when you come out of the car park um, lakeside there's a series of speed bumps um, yeah. I, my water bottles fell out of my rear bottle cage at the time so I so I left there with no liquid um, oh, no. having get into the first feed station I, I then took two bottles from them and carried on yeah. my bike strength was very good at the time and, and I, I did very well there and, and made up a lot of time to the point I didn't really know much about the sport. I didn't really know anything about, you know, the pros, the age group side of it or nothing like that. It was kind of totally blind. Um, and I remember cycling up next to a professional athlete at the time. I couldn't remember his name. Um, and I and I was just admiring his bike. And, you know, I remember chatting to him, telling him oh, it's a really nice bike and things like that. You know, I'm in a general chat. <laughs> uh, next thing, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll see you later, mate. Have a good, have a good race. And I cycled off. Um <laughs> Uh, I didn't, and I didn't have a clue who he was, you know. And then it wasn't until later on, in obviously the the tent afterwards, where you get some food and you get your t-shirt and you sit down and you medal and there's sports massage and the stuff like that happened. He actually came up to him and was chatting away, um, and he was like, you know, oh, what's your background in sport and stuff? And I was like, I, I haven't really got a background. It's my first ever triathlon, um, you know. And, and at that point, he was absolutely amazed and was like, well, you know, maybe you should take this up a, a bit more seriously. Um, the run, the run was. I found that run that day tough. And I remember halfway through it thinking, what what am I doing? This is absolutely ridiculous. 
Um, I never run a marathon either, so that was my first marathon. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Um, so so yeah, and, and I and I finished that thinking, Christ, I've got I'm at Wales in like seven weeks. If I, if I what have I done? Um, <laughs> so what? So what's what was your finishing time then in Bolton? Can you remember? What I you? think it was ten hours twenty. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, that's that's a good time. Um, yeah, it is a very good time. So so just for those who um who don't know who are listening. So so the real elite level people what is that about 8 hours correct? Yeah, sub 8 hours nowadays they you know they they're really they're really efficient in what they're doing and really good athletes. Yeah, sub 8 hours uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And and of there's lots of everyday people of everyday hobby triathletes and you know, there's a whole range, and they'll get. You know, they'll be getting through in 17 hours, won't they? Um, yeah, so up to 17 hours predominantly, depending on the course. Yeah, some of them, some of them drop down and actually like 16 hours. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a lot of time to complete it. Um, but I think anyone that can go and achieve it at whatever time, um, I think I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it is. And it, yeah. You know, it shouldn't be grumbled whether they whether they're finishing in you know that 16 hours plus or they're finishing. Um, within you know eight nine ten hours, it's it's phenomenal, you know. And, and it's the good thing about the sport in general is that everyone's quite welcoming and friendly. And and it, you know, it doesn't matter if they're finishing in ten hours or they're finishing in fifteen hours. They're working yeah. really hard to their own ability, and it's it's absolutely fantastic to see. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's a, it's a huge huge challenge. So you, so you've now then so you've you've done Bolton in ten hours twenty. Yes. And you've got ten be seven weeks later. You, you've you've spoken with that athlete who said perhaps you should take this more seriously. Where where was your head at then? Then did you you know and how did you prepare for for Ironman Wales? I was on a natural high after that first one. You know, it was it was a big achievement having never done one before. Um, I mm. was a bit apprehensive about Wales. Obviously, people do get that way. Um, but it, I know I was prepared to go and do it, and and it wasn't about it was never about trying to reach for podiums. It was never about trying to reach for to go and race the world championships. It was purely just about completing them, um, and and I did it both, and you know I, I absolutely loved it, and that's one of the reasons why I've just continued and I haven't looked back. It's absolutely beautiful down there, isn't it? Oh, Tempe's lovely. If you've never been, it's it's an absolutely beautiful place. The town is just. It's you know quite medieval. You've got the old castle walls there. The scenery. I mean, even the way they paint the buildings down there is just it's stunning. It's a lovely place. Yeah, it is very very beautiful. So, so tell us about that event then. How, how did you get on in there? So Wales. Um, I can't actually remember the time I got when I was there, um, but it was. Yeah, well, I can remember the swim. So. Um, Again, I'm sure many listeners have, have seen, you know, Wales on the adverts, and uh, obviously you get the, the Welsh national anthem at the start on the beach there on North Beach. Yeah, back in two and that one there, when it was that one two thousand fourteen as well, the the sea was pretty rough. It wasn't the worst sea they'd have, but it was pretty it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. A friend of mine who I said mentioned before, um, we travelled around and we stayed together, and we actually stayed in the youth hostel because we struggled to get accommodation. Yeah. It just turned out that all the lifeguards, you know, paddleboard and everything else for the event all stayed in the youth hostel as well. But the night before they all went out on the town uh, oh, right. and got absolutely <laughs> wasted. So then they all came back at stupid hours in the morning while we're trying to get to sleep, but you can't sleep because you're really nervous about the event. Yeah. 
uh, Mikir and Dorkin and whatever else. Yeah, and so we didn't really sleep, but yeah, North Beach the next day. The waves are. I mean, look at you. Look at Google images from that year. The waves were pretty brutal. Um, you know, and this was now gone from a lake swim from the previous one. I'm now in the sea. Never, never really swam in the sea. Yeah, um, and sort of got my way around that. Pretty, pretty unscathed, really. Um, I'm quite fortunate that I've never come into contact with the jellyfish that seem to be there whenever I'm on Wales is there. Yeah, well, we I I went to Tembe on holiday this year with the family, and some of the jellyfish I forget their name. They were huge. Yes. They were absolutely huge. Yeah, they have quite a few. I think occasionally they have the old Portuguese man of war pitch up there, and they're, they're the nasty ones. Yes, yeah, colour. But yeah, I'm quite fortunate. I've never come into contact with jellyfish touchwood. Um yeah. seen them, but they've never been close enough. But yeah, I'm on whale swim. It was pretty brutal on that day. A lot of people were rescued. Um bike again is just it's a challenge. It is a challenging bike course. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Um it's not a lot of people um sort of get themselves they put themselves off with, with the actual terrain and think it's whales, it's really, really hilly and everything else. But going back to how we spoke about earlier on, it's that having that mental strength and that mentality of thinking that, do you know what, this doesn't last forever. Yeah, a hill is a hill. You know, use that mental strength, laugh about it, think, yeah, you just got to get over it. Once I'm over it, you, you know, you, you're good to go again. Um, and what goes up comes back down as well. Yeah, which is yeah. good. But you do feel it on the second lap. I'm not going to lie. Um, coming up out okay. of Saunders' foot on that that second lap of the hills. Um, yeah. that's the last little bit and you get into the town and, and I mean even on the bike course the crowds through the villages and even on the, the farmers fields I mean you'll see a tractor sat on the edge of a field it's got a sofa in the bucket um, and the whole family sat there having barbecues cheering you on and that's that's one thing that keeps drawing me back to Wales I think I'm, I've done it three or four times now um, and it's I mean I, it, it's the best event I have ever done um, in, in I say all the years I've been competing I still think of myself as quite a newbie compared to most mm-hmm. but yeah it's phenomenal and then the run in the town of, of Tembe itself you know crowd yeah. there it's it's just electric um, and you just forget about the pain and the hurt and the crowd just get you around and even the other athletes to be honest you know they're all really friendly as you mentioned earlier as well um, and they'll be a port and they'll try and get you along and it's it's just great. It's a great event, and yes, Tembe's Ironman Wales is my favourite one. Brilliant. Okay, so so I, and that was the event that that meant you qualified for Kona. Is that right? Yeah. So that was this is an accidental again. I I actually took um, the first roll down slot for that. So I mean, depend on how many people enter Ironman yep. per age group, they'll allocate slots for the World Championships. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's done on a percentage. So, for instance, you might get five slots allocated to a to a age group because there's so many people there. Um, yeah. If say for say for instance at the time there was five slots in my age group, um, mm-hmm. if any one of them five uh, decided they don't want to take the world championship slots, it would roll down to the next one. So if if the first four took it and the fifth one decided no, I don't want to go and do the world champs, it would roll that one slot would then roll down to number six. Yeah, if that one didn't take it, would go to number seven, and it keeps going like that until until yes. you run out. Yeah. So I so yeah. I was fortunate at that point to take the first roll down slot um, to the world championships. But I thought it's my second ever triathlon, second ever marathon. Um, <laughs> there's a roll down opportunity to go to the world championships. This opportunity may never happen again. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I was like, Do you know what, I've, I've got to take it. 
So how, how did you find out? You find out there. So you know how many slots there is per age group when you do the race. Uh, yeah. For the full distance, they normally do slot allocation the day after the race. Um, so then I, I obviously had to go to that noon. There could be an opportunity. Um, and you, if they, if you're lucky enough to, to get a slot within your age group or a roll down, you, you have to accept it and pay for it on the day. Wow, no messing. No. no. And, and you were there ready with your card? Yeah, credit card, yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Um, expensive, expensive holiday, but it's, you know, it's, like I said, it was one that might never, ever happen again. So I thought you know, I had to take the opportunity. Yeah, why not? Why not? Did, to, so when when you went into that though, did you did you have an idea that you'd be there or thereabouts for? Not not at all. Um, again, I was there to I was there to um, to complete, not compete. Yeah, as they say, uh, and enjoy it. And I did just that, and yeah, accidental. It happens, you know. Um, that's not to say that one of the other competitors out there who may have been a better athlete than me, he may have had a mechanical issue out on the race course. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which could have been the reason why you know I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to get it. Uh, and that's what people have got to remember in this sport is things can change at any point. You know, you could be the last person out of the water, but every single person in front of you on a bike may all have mechanicals. You don't know. You just, yeah. you've just got to race your own race and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then, to, and then it was 2015. Then you went, you went to Kona. Yeah. But before that, I decided to go to Ironman Austria. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a tune up. Yeah. That was, that was a road trip with another friend of mine. Um, oh. I decided to drive there. Um, in literally in one go as well just swapped over the driving one slept by one drove yeah uh, yeah so that was a road trip for, for a week in austria and competed that one as a build-up yeah so how much how much time do you so going to somewhere like austria i was going to ask you this for kona as well but um how much time do you give yourself i imagine it's very different for these two places as well to actually go there and acclimatize and and, and yeah. prepare yourself to get uh, ready to uh, for, for kona i've been to to Kona twice now um, and I, I tried to get there two weeks before the race uh, okay but it, but it, I would like to go before it's 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 a money thing it's cost it's not a cheap place to get to uh, and it's, mm-hmm. it's not cheap there either if I'm honest uh, yeah but it's yeah purely to get there and have sufficient time to try and acclimatize the best I can mm-hmm. the problem we have or the problem you have when you go to places like that and what a lot of people forget is when they start living in air-conditioned hotels and you know airbnbs or whatever type of accommodation they've got yeah when you take yourself out of the natural environment outside into aircon you you don't acclimatize if you're not acclimatizing to the weather because you're not in that sort of uh, climate yeah um, and people don't realize that so a lot of they think they get there early to acclimatize but then they go and put themselves in air cons you know restaurants and stuff like that they don't not properly anyway yeah um, and that's you know, something I know through my military career of being on operations in Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff, we do go out early for them to so that we can acclimatize before we actually work. So again, mm-hmm. that preparation side of it and knowledge comes from that. And there's something that I've evolved and learned over time as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so tell us about that first Kona experience then. So you, you got there a couple of weeks before. Yeah. Uh, and was that on your on your own, or was yeah. did did anyone else you know qualify, or did you meet anyone out there? Or, so what, I, tra- I travelled on my own. Um, the things like Facebook and stuff like that have all these little social groups per Iron. You can you join like the Ironman Journey, or you can join Ironman Wales, and you can see what people are chatting about and stuff. And and they have the similar sort of thing for out there. But I travelled on my own. I stayed in um, accommodation I got, which was it was out of the main town because it was cheaper. But I had to hire a little car while I was there. Yeah. 
and actually it was quite glad that I was away from the hustle and bustle. I stayed on a um, an organic coffee farm, which was which was pretty good. It was run by a local family, and every morning it was a bed and breakfast. So I'd sit down, I'd sit down with the family and have breakfast, whatever they would cook and what they would eat. So I was eating local produce off their farm, fresh nice. fresh organic coffee. You know, I sat down with you know husband and wife and and their daughter, who was very young at the time. In fact, probably about the same age as my daughter. Um, and actually had had you know breakfast as as a family. It was it was quite a surreal thing for a bed and breakfast as such. Yeah, I bet. But it, but it made that experience on the island that bit more of an experience because mm-hmm. I was I wasn't in the cafes and the restaurants. I was I was living like the locals and eating what they're eating, and and it gave me that you know that better understanding of how they live really. So you know, being at one with with obviously nature and and how they yeah live. nice and they're very. They're people that are very um, conscious of the surroundings and they look after it and things like that. So it was really nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So so how so how did you prepare over that first two weeks? You know, do you go out and recce the route and do you get in the sea and have a bit of a swim or what? What, what do you get up to in that time? Yeah. Anyway? So they so they have um, where the swim start is. Um, they've got you know a swim route set up there, and you can swim out. And they've got a coffee boat out in the water, so you can swim and have little shots of coffee and stuff like that. Yeah, that's um, cool. <laughs> it's, it's really it's a part of the experience. It's good. Um, so yes, yeah, get out in the sea. You know, it's that's the swim that's non wetsuit because the water temperature is above wetsuit limit. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you've got the hot water. You have the buoyancy from the salt, which helps in the water for swimming and stuff as well. Um, and you know, swimming with sea turtles and and just like a tropical fish tank is, is absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, you know. Just, just loved it. It was fantastic. So yeah, getting out there and swimming and stuff like that. They do have swimming pools out there, which you'll see a lot of the uh, pro athletes and some of the top age groupers who'll make an effort to go and swim in the pools and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most people get out in the sea and and sort of acclimatize the best they can to that and, and see their surroundings, but also social as well and see other athletes. You know, now this is you know a global phenomenon and you know there's people from all over the world there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I travelled on my own. I did make some friends there. I saw some other Brits there through um, some of the events that they put on. Yeah, um, and you know, I've got I, I met even Brits on on the actual race itself that you know, I've, I'm really good friends with now and do quite a lot with and speak with them all the time. Um, but yeah. but at the time it was yeah sea swim. I was on my own. I went out on the bike on my own predominantly and just cycled up and down the actual Queen K Highway. Got used to the route. Um, and then running just in certain areas so everyone knows about or everyone's heard about the energy lab which is where the run goes out to and it's renowned for being um, quite barren and really hot because it's lava rock on either side of the road so it obviously absorbs all the heat yeah but i i always i found both times now that's not been the worst place for me the worst place is where the humidity sits down the seafront as you run along um, the front mm-hmm. there it's all there's quite a lot of vegetation so the trees and bushes and things and obviously that type of stuff holds on to onto the yeah. water type so that it's the humidity zaps me there rather than it does, you know, out on the highway or down in the energy lab. But you know, it's different for everyone and it's it's how their body adapts to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so how, how did the actual event go then? Uh, my time there was I did sub ten hours there. I think it was nine forty seven or nine forty nine. Uh, and was that your first time sub ten? Then first time sub ten, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. It wasn't um, 
you know, it's it's a different beast. The course itself is not, you know, it's not like terrain of Wales, but it's you've got the winds, you've got the humidity and the heat. So it's a different beast, and and it's you know with long distance stuff, you've got to get your nutrition strategy right. Um, yeah. And however yeah. you've adapted to the heat as well makes a difference. So so that that was my next question. Had you had you got you know you went into those first those first couple just you know like you said yourself just to uh, complete not compete had you got more serious now that you were going out to Kona you know were you were you on were you on your nutrition were you had you got a coach by then yeah so I had I had a coach um, for that one there um, for training for that and yeah nutrition was something we worked on and you know incorporating more brick sessions in and and trying to acclimatize to to what it would be like more so out there um, early on and that in the UK you know, we never we never actually acclimatise in the UK because the weather changes all the time, and you just have to see that from this year. Um, you, know, you, yeah. you need a good solid couple of weeks of the same weather to actually acclimatise to it, and, and our weather just changes all the time, so it's difficult. Um, which is why you'll see, you know, the big names and the big athletes they'll head out there, you know, really early, um, or they may go to a neighbouring country quite close and train there as well. So the climate is pretty similar. Yeah, um, San Francisco is quite a common place for people to go. That tends to be one of the airport stop-offs for then moving on to to Hawaii itself. So a lot mm-hmm. of athletes tend to go to that side of America. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so I, I did you finish up that first time? Then, so you went, you went sub ten, and then where, where was you head at? We had you had enough? Had you done a bit, or what, how did you feel at the end of that? Um, so I actually I I bought my first GoPro when I was out there uh, from the GoPro stand before the race. Yeah. Yeah, and they'd advertised if you were, um, I think I think it was one of the first ten people to buy this GoPro. They then had their stall at the last mile, sorry, <coughs> the last mile of the actual run, and they yeah. and they would turn it on for you. They track you. They turn it on for you and let you run the last mile with your GoPro. Yeah, um, I've still got that video footage. It was it was quite emotional to be honest because of where I'd come from and got to there in the way I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was pretty much welling up on the last little bit, going through the finish there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised. It's an amazing story, really. Like you, like you say, you've. I mean, you've you had no plan to be doing that, and then. No, not at all. Not not for, not for someone that was. I mean, I had way back in my younger years, I had issues when I was you know very small. I was born with a hole in my heart and collapsed lung as well. So something like this was something that was never. Wow. So yeah, I had issues very early on in my, you know, from I was born what three months, three weeks premature. So, oh. so back then, that was quite difficult times for for hospitals and for children to survive that. Um, so yeah, I'd, I had a collapsed lung and a hole in my heart back then. So to actually go through all of that through childhood, um, yeah, military career, then obviously do that, it was yeah, it was one of them, one of them times. That's insane. Do, 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 that really is insane. You were born with a hole in your heart and a collapsed lung. Yeah. Wow. And how did your parents feel about you competing and going in the military? <laughs> the military side of it was it was one of them that was it, it was always inevitable as long as I could you know obviously yeah. achieve that because uh, of your family's background. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I said earlier on at the beginning, I'm like fifth generation. I've got the families that have been through through try service from you know second world war into the falklands war um, my father was a royal marine at the time in the falklands war so mm-hmm. so yeah it's been that that journey and it was inevitable even through high school i was like yeah i'm gonna, gonna join the military so 
it was yeah, yeah it was inevitable it was going to happen but yeah to keep ticking these things off and happening and it was, it was, I think that's kind of my drive as well as it's I want to keep achieving yeah so were you so when you were young and you know you were hitting people in the face with that stick <laughs> that thing, would you it, 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 how was your heart by then you, you know so so hard in the heart at that point you know that's they closed up pretty quick uh, yeah back then I think uh, with the collapsed lung is something that I still probably deal with now. Okay. In some ways. Um, I breathe quite deeply anyway. A lot of people when I'm running, you know, I, you know, run on running tracks and stuff, and you, people say, "Oh, I can, I can hear you coming from your breathing." Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we we get there, we push through, and you know, we do what we can. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that. It's no surprise you have got that kind of mental strength then. If that's um. You, you you just kind of drop that in at the end. <laughs> that's pretty fast. That's fascinating. So and and then you you ended up going. You, you've been to Kona twice, haven't you? When when was the second time you went? Um, second time would have been two thousand and eighteen. Uh, yeah. Again, qualified at Wales, but yeah. officially qualified this time. Didn't take a roll down. It was a an official age group qualification. Yeah. Cool. Cool, great. I went again in 2018. Um, race did not go to plan. Um, I was, it was, I was better prepared, um, but I, I had my feet were swollen during the bike section. Uh, and I had sore feet, and I remember thinking, I need new bike shoes. These are really sore. Yeah, I realised it was just the heat. You know, it's one of them things. But then when I put my running trainers on and you know chucked some cold water over me and stuff, my feet shrunk. But then I had. A little bit of excess skin where it expanded on the soles of my feet, which uh, created blisters. So the run was just—I I hoped to do uh, about two, a three-hour twenty marathon at the time, which would have brought me in and around nine hours fifteen, I think it was. Uh, okay. But I, I suffered quite badly on the run because of that, and um, yeah, I didn't come in at that time. Um, but it wasn't—it wasn't that bad. It could have been worse, but I, but I ran a slow marathon for me. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and I know that now you're you, you kind of you're going off in a bit of a different route, aren't you? Tell us what you what you're up to now, and are you still are you still competing now as well as doing the new thing, which you can tell us about? <laughs> um, yes, so I still compete. Um, yeah. I was meant to do Ironman Wales this year, actually, mm-hmm. um, but I'm that's now been delayed to next year. Yeah. Um, other races, I'm not sure about at the minute. <coughs> I've got Slate Man in North Wales. Yeah, they they they're good good events, aren't they? They always aim high. Yeah, so I last year I I broke the sprint course record. Uh, okay, and, and I won the Slate Man Savage. So basically, their sprint, and then the next day their classic event. Um, I think I'm the first athlete to um, win both of them um, outright. Normally, going into the second day, people that turn up for that one um, don't tend to. You know, you don't, because you've got the fatigue from the day before, you don't tend to win. But if you're a good athlete, you still you still end up quite high up. But then, yeah. but then you take the overall slot for the savage for doing two events in in, in two days. So for the last two years, I won that. I was meant to do it again this year, but obviously that's now been moved to to next year because of the COVID situation we've been we've been dealt with this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as it stands, 2021, I'm on Wales and Slate Man Savage for me, and then I'm having a look and see what else is about. Cool. And is there aspirations to do Kona again, or <coughs> what's the aim? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know when. 
it's kind of just one of them little candles that keeps burning. You know, you could have, you could have done better last time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's an expensive hobby. It's an expensive um, trip. Yes. Um, that's only the downside to it. Do you then... You, you're now coaching, aren't you? <coughs> yeah, sorry to cough in now. I've got dry throat. Um, yeah, so I... Um, I'm quite heavily involved in Royal Air Force Triathlon Club. Um, I currently sit um, as the deputy head coach yep. for the club. I've done for a while now. Um, the whole of the RAF, is it? Where, yes, yes. we're a big we're a big club. We're about um, just under just under 700 members. Yeah. The, the difference we have is we are um, global, so we're not a club that sits in one location and does you know weekly sessions here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got athletes that are spaced all over the UK, different um, military establishments, but also worldwide as well. If they're away on operations or on detachments working with you know other um, NATO forces, yeah. so we're spread all over the place. We do try to come together a couple of times a year and, and do events um, or, or training weekends. We also try to run an annual training um, camps. Uh, historically, they've been in Mallorca. Obviously, again, this year has been affected. Yeah, um, we do inter-service races all different distances, so duathlon and triathlon. So that's yeah. racing against the other services. So you could be racing against the army, the navy, the fire brigade, the police force, um, stuff like that. Do they get competitive? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it always is. I mean, the army are very strong. They've got strength in numbers. Yeah. Um, so they tend to be quite dominant a lot of the time. Um, so, but yeah, it's 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 really good, you know, and and it's it's good to to be part of that organisation and sort of race against each other, and and it's promoting sport, it's promoting inclusivity. Um, yeah. So it's really good to see, and it's good to be a part of, and it's something that hopefully carries on. So do you do, you do a lot of remote coaching, <coughs> the structure of it, and um, you know, using online tools and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> Yeah, so uh, online-wise, um, probably more so this year we've delved into that sort of era and using the online platforms. The most popular one people have probably heard of is Swift. Yeah. So you can cycle and run on that. So we do stuff like that. Um, we even we've had um, the head coach who, who's done quite a few like yoga sessions and strength and conditioning sessions and stuff as well. So we have the, the facility and capabilities for doing stuff. Yeah, um, but it's just trying to get that audience, and again, you know, people are working abroad and things, and their time zones are different, so it does it does pose issues sometimes, not get yeah. not getting the participation that you would hope for. Yeah, um, and I, I, I know that you help out with um with the local triathlon club as well. Yeah, so that's right, local club where I am currently. They um they've had issues with uh, regulations that have come through COVID. And the British Triathlon Federation um, have, you know, brought out some new rules and regulations, so they don't hold the qualifications that allow them to to deliver stuff on their own. Um, so I've kind of um, been asked to help, and so I volunteer and help them um, with their coaching, um, developing and mentoring their coaches and their athletes, uh, and that's pretty much a weekly thing at the minute. And and I'm quite heavily involved in obviously pushing them forward. Yeah, great, and. So what? So what? What does the future hold now? Is it, you've because um, you've been in the you've been in the RAF for eighteen years now. So you... yeah, so eighteen years. Um, 
I've signed on for 30. Okay. Um, whether I do that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I've always said I would always do 22. Yeah. Um, after that, I've got, I've got no idea. It depends what there, what's there and the opportunities are there. Mm -hmm. Would will you carry? Would you like to carry on your coaching? And I know you're working <coughs> as well. So, would you would you like to do more of that? Yeah. So I I also coach. Um, I'm qualified to coach one to one. Yeah. So I do coach myself as well. Um, athletes on a one to one basis using um, other platforms uh, to do that. So that can be obviously locally, but it can also be remotely as well. I have the facility to do that. Yeah. And I pretty much do that. Um, via my own website and um, I've got Instagram accounts that's not my website um, is yeah. obviously trywolf.co.uk yeah. um, and then on Instagram at trywolfcoaching yeah give us all of them then so that people can because I, I know you're open to people getting in touch with you aren't you and yeah, yeah quite shop. often helping people out and stuff so so Instagram wise um, I have at trywolfcoach at trywolfcoach yep yeah. Yeah, um, that's kind of that's kind of my coaching platform. Yeah, my, okay. own, my own personal one is Iron Hill eighty three. Iron Hill, okay, and what and, and you and you take on people and you coach them remotely and yeah, coach people, coach people one to one. Um, got quite a few people now that you know um, that are racing. Predominantly, I'd probably say more people are interested in that half Ironman, full Ironman distance. It doesn't have to be that brand, but. It tends to be the draw that people are going to. So I predominantly coach people around them distances. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I mean, people get in touch with me all the time on those platforms. Um, and then, obviously, I, I have a website as well, uh, which is trywolf.co.uk. Cool. So everyone, check out Scott's website. There. Yeah, have a look there. You can, you can see some stuff going on and that there. And, and I'm quite active on Instagram and stuff and sharing what I'm doing and, you know, what athletes are doing and things like that as well. Great, and I know that you've uh, you've offered twelve pass out on our on our social channels as well, and do some more chats and yep. answer some questions on there as well. So we look forward to to doing more of that with you as well. No, definitely, it's um, you know it's it's the hobby that I've grown quite fond of and got a big passion for, and really enjoy it. Um, yeah. Quite active myself in the sport, and, and plan to continue to be active, but also help other people, you know, achieve what they want to achieve, um, which is pretty good as well. Yeah, Scott, it's been brilliant talking to you and hearing that that journey through to uh, through to Kona. Thank you very much for for coming on and chatting with us. Well, thanks very much for having me. It'll be you know if anyone's got any questions later on in the future and want to do a bit more, then I'm more than happy. It's been good fun. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers, Scott. Thank you.